This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home and is the permanent for right now guest on Obsessed Podcast. It is my wife and partner, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Are you still happy to be here in our home? I am. <laughs> I almost forgot to do uh, the weekly check-in. I know. I know. You've seemed so happy around the house. I was kind of nervous all week when we sit down to record Obsessed. Is there going to be bad news? <laughs> it's when the mask comes off. No! <laughs> no. <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying. Well, we're going to keep our masks on and talk about something where masks are involved, both emotionally and physically. There are masks. Uh-huh. Yep, there you are. Look, you look uh, troubled by uh, my transition. I know. I was I was going backwards in the Rolodex of my memory, trying to pull things up. <laughs> masks up. In backwards particular. in the Rolodex of my memory is my favorite late 70s Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> He meant well, but it just didn't quite come across. Anyway, uh, let's move on, shall we? To starting. Let's move on to starting. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about a film. We're going to do sort of a review in a way, I guess. The review will come out. Spoiler, we both liked it. That's why we're talking about it (laughs) on a podcast called Obsessed, because I think we both really liked it a lot, bordering on obsession. So let's dive in. We are going to talk about the film Birds of Prey. I so felt like I should do a song there just because I so usually do. Those are great, uh, great bird sounds. That's the exact soundtrack <laughs> of the film. Caw, caw. Right there. Nailing it. Uh, so when we've talked about movies before, we've just started with why. Why did we see this film? Mm-hmm. So for yourself. Should we start with that? Yeah. Why did you see this film? <laughs> I think because you said, hey, sweetie, this film is coming out and we should go see it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Did you see um, any trailers? Did we watch any trailers together that you remember? Not that I remember vividly. Um, and here actually, I mean, is the thing, one of the things about going to see the film is there is a film which my understanding is semi precedes it called Suicide Squad, which I have not seen. Um, so I think that was something of like I was interested in this film. And wanted to go see it. And you agreed that, yes, we should go see this film. And I think you did at one point say, you should absolutely go see this film. It doesn't matter if you've seen Suicide Squad or not. Yes, because they had made that really, really clear uh, in some of the sort of uh, press discussion of it that that was not going to be a uh, a prerequisite. Yeah. Because Suicide Squad is a complex film, culturally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah so i think it, i felt that way and and i was intrigued as well I, I wasn't like i was um dragged along to a film i wasn't interested in going to <laughs> okay yeah so the so you were pretty much kind of open mind you weren't excited uh in particular or uh reticent no definitely not reticent i would say i was excited um i really like margot robbie and so i was like okay Go see more Margot Robbie doing something that looks like fun and some ladies, you know, kicking butt. Sure. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. For me, uh, it was a little bit more uh, complex, but all good. Uh, I saw Harley Quinn and, you know, what was probably, well, it was her first appearance, but like it was all, it was on the uh, Batman, the animated series back in the day in the early nineties. So I, I probably came home from school, uh, took a brief nap, uh, made a hot dog cause I didn't eat lunch at school and then saw this episode where suddenly <laughs> there was this character, Harley Quinn. So I, I have not followed all of her adventures in all of the comics. I'm not an expert 
by any means on Harley Quinn. Uh, but I was there at the beginning and always really liked the character in the Batman uh, animated series. So I, I, I would consider myself not an expert, but definitely a fan of Harley Quinn. And then I've been watching all of the DC Extended Universe movies, and, and you and I have been uh, going to all of them. I went to Suicide Squad alone. I, you, I know you went without me. Yeah. <laughs> on, on, on purpose. <laughs> I went alone. If you're the weight. Well, yeah, it sounded like I took someone else's Suicide Squad, and no, I, no. I wouldn't do that without telling you, and I just wouldn't do that to another person, unless they really wanted to see Suicide I mean, Squad. I mean, that's fine. You have other friends. <laughs> <laughs> I do have other friends, but I'd tell you if I suddenly go to a movie with them, which is very sure. rare. I went to Suicide Squad alone. And I told you about it. You did. And I believe by choice also. <laughs> by choice. Yes. I was not kidnapped. Anyway, I went to Suicide Squad. Uh, so you and I had gone to Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. And I think we both uh, were uh, up and down with those movies at, at best. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. Uh, and then Suicide Squad was just super weird because there was uh, uh, more push and pull between the director doing what they wanted to do and the studio doing what they wanted to do. I don't remember all the behind-the-scenes detail, but what ended up on screen was mm-hmm. this very weird movie that was basically just, in, a, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, was just an amazing Spotify list. Like, the soundtrack was great. <laughs> and some of the characters were really fun to see on screen. Some of the actors were great. Uh, others were not for me. Jared Leto's interpretation of the Joker and the film's interpretation of the Joker is not for me at all. Uh, I think it is for me, it is much too generic. Just I'm crazy. And the way you know that is sometimes I speak quietly, but then suddenly I'm loud. Like, okay, I get it. That's like, that's again, I know there are people listening who might really enjoy that Joker. That's my opinion. And I respect that other opinions exist, but Harley was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Margot Robbie was great as Harley. And it was great to see her on screen. So even though I had an up and down relationship with the actual film Suicide Squad, yeah. I was so excited when it started to burble that like Margot Robbie really likes this character and she wants to be a producer and she wants to drive this. She doesn't want to just be an actor in somebody else's interpretation of this character. So even just going in, I was like, ooh, all right. And then as uh, the trailer started to come out and everything started to uh, uh, lead towards the mood of what the film was going to be, mm-hmm. uh, I was really, really excited. So that is all about why we saw the movie. Now, once we, of course, saw the movie, uh, it was good, is one thing to say. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to ask you about specifically is it is a movie that is uh, directed by a woman, which I knew going in. I didn't I hadn't uh, realized that the, the there was only one screenwriter, which is so great amazing. and rare. <laughs> only one credited screenwriter, which is so amazing and rare, especially for a big Hollywood movie. And the screenwriter was a woman. Obviously, it Margot Robbie was a driving force, a producer, an actor. It is all uh, about women, all starring women. How did that affect you or how was that? Uh, how did that yes uh, how did it affect you yeah so i didn't know any of that going in i mean i knew margot robbie was in it obviously because <laughs> i had watched at least one of the trailers <laughs> um but i didn't realize uh until i saw the credits at the end of the film that it was directed by a woman um written by a woman and how involved in its production margot robbie had been um i don't quite have the words to to express it but i just i really enjoyed the film on so many levels and i i think and you know it's confirmation bias but i when i watched the credits i was like oh oh 
oh, well, this makes so much sense. (laughs) A lot of parts of this movie just made more sense to me. And it didn't feel as, I think it just, it felt, um, I was about to say it, it felt more real, like my real world. Spoiler, my real world is nothing like Harley (laughs) Quinn's real real world. Um, But there's something about it that it just felt um, relatable. Yeah. For me, at least. Um, I loved it. And and I didn't know that going in, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And, And I don't mean that, you know, people can't write things that are not about themselves and do a good job but it um it sang all the pieces came together you know I'm yeah mix all my metaphors here it was a train on the tracks everything was running and smoothly it was singing, it was singing. <laughs> everything was grease that was supposed to be grease the <laughs> whistle was going off just for fun um it just it it all worked so well and i feel like there is a little bit of that with having a film that has i'm gonna count quickly so i apologize if i'm leaving anybody out but like five strong female um you know characters who are very present i feel like yeah you you, it helps a lot to have some some women in the director's chairs literally yeah figuratively yeah um a lot of people online uh, a lot of uh women in particular you know mention the specific moment where they're in the middle of a fight and Harley offers Black Canary a hair tie. Yes. It's just like a little fun detail that is the kind of thing that is a woman's experience uh, more often than a man's, because uh, there aren't as many men with long hair, of offering the hair tie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's like just a, a, a brief shining crystal moment, but I also feel like there's big storytelling things at work that are about uh, women's experiences do you feel like it was both those little, small, fun, crystallizing moments as well as the just seeing women, a variety of women experience difficulties of life that are that are put upon them by men in the system? Mm-hmm. Is it Was it both those big picture things and those small things for you when you said you somehow found it more real or relatable? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and I'll be very honest. The hair tie thing, I had a mixed reaction to it first when I heard it when we were watching the film. Um, in case anybody has, does, you know, has not seen, I have long hair, has not seen me, has not seen my hair. <laughs> You're making a beautiful flowing That's gesture. Flowing. Um, and so I totally, and I have hair that uh, would be in my face all the time if I would let it. So I totally understand the hair tie thing. And it is often kind of that cliche of like, ah, women are going to be fighting and, you know, they have their hair down and they can just do it. And there is a part of me that's like, yeah, I like that. That's cool. So there's probably like, huh, did she need a hair tie or is that just like, is that a little too on the nose? But I also loved it because it is so accurate and she had done amazing things already. Um, Black Canary before she uh, got the hair tie. And then also like, yeah, sometimes you just need a hair tie to keep going because you can't see all the people coming at you when you've got beautiful long hair like she does. Um, so yeah. anyway, that that's a, just a specific detail. I think, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, I would say definitely a combination of the bigger picture and some of those smaller moments and just the some of the joy in the smaller moments, I felt like the characters were very well fleshed out. Um, It was, it was an ensemble cast, but there weren't that many characters. And so they were all able to have more than just cookie cutter. And it was nice to have 
you know, I'll keep saying five. So let me know. If <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll just yeah, use the main, that as the, the number for this is, one. The main is team five? is five. Okay. Yeah. Um, to have five different stories and different approaches and, you know, I, I like that, that there is not, you know, quote unquote woman, but that there are people. Yeah. And and that's a thing that I felt like just they didn't have to say it. It was just there and you could feel it. Yeah. And that's something I think about so much as a writer. And, and one of the reasons that I want more diversity is because if you have five women, mm-hmm. then you're talking about five people. Mm-hmm. And if you end up with something like, you know, early Avengers movies where for the most part it was a black widow, you know, Maria Hill's there, but she's a, a smaller character, mm-hmm. then immediately almost anything you say is it is it that's what you're saying about women Mm -hmm. you know or go back to the you know tokenism of a lot of like the 80s you know but if you have a lot of different people then it's it becomes much more just about humans and humans influenced by you know by life experiences that are unique to them yeah but you can just get that variety and i wonder if that makes it feel more real that it's not Two women, and one is, you know, the nice girl, and one is the ass kicker. <laughs> and these are just people who are women, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there also was a very nice range of um, ethnic diversity as well, which I thought was great as also. Yeah, yeah. I always want to be very careful about how I talk about, like, I like women movies. Because, I, cause A, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, uh, I want to be respectful that women do truly have a unique life experience, and therefore they have a unique experience seeing a film like this and reading a film like this. But for me, I I really have been gravitating towards female uh, starring films and, and, and films that are written or directed by women, not because I want to be politically correct or be a white knight or, or score any points or any of the kind of things that people are accused of. I think it's because it is a fresh perspective. So mm-hmm. if you take a genre that I really like, like comic books, are you playing in a world that I really know well, like Gotham, and somebody is bringing a fresh perspective because of their fresh life experiences, it feels fresh and new to me. Mm-hmm. And I always want to be extra careful about saying things like this. Uh, so I will say it carefully, and please uh, let me know if you think I'm saying something dumb. But stories that are about, like, like Birds of Prey, that are about women who are being um, manipulated and used and treated poorly by the system is obviously, and by a male-dominated system, is obviously speaking to women's experiences. But to me, there is something universal in that. And when I see that, I can relate in my own way. I have not been systemically oppressed in the same way. Mm -hmm. But when Montoya has been, you know, passed up unfairly and had her work stolen, I've had my work stolen and been treated unfairly, not in a large, constant, systemic way, but mm-hmm. in an individual experience way. And it is it is cathartic to see those experiences. Again, I'm not claiming that is the same as it is for women. But mm-hmm. just for me as a human, I still get that joy from it. And the fact that this this is a film that wants to be joyful while addressing these these ideas of being unfairly held back and controlled and it is about being released i find that incredibly cathartic and joyful in a way that i might be if it was a film starring men but it's it it has this freshness because it is real yeah yeah i absolutely agree about the the freshness and i have i have no problems with what you're saying and i feel like that's you know for a long time 
you know, I, we all are, you know, have been watching things with primarily cast of men and told to relate to them, which is fine. There's many things I relate to where I don't feel like, oh, well, that's, you know, a person who is different from me. So I cannot understand their experience. So I feel like absolutely there should be something. I feel like there's something in this for everybody. Yeah. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. Just things like the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are many great uh, action scenes with women directed by men that are that are swell. But I've kind of seen awesome comic book action scenes with sometimes blatant and kind of awful male gaze, and sometimes with subtle male gaze. It's just a fresher experience to see uh, women, comic book women, kicking ass with no male gaze, with just a group of women going, "This is what we think is cool." In an yeah. action scene, it just feels different, and it feels fresh and new, and and that's exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree about that because it was uh, there were fantastic action scenes, really interesting, really well done, very creative, but they were about the action. They weren't about like, oh, are you going to see her butt? Are you going to see some cleavage? <laughs> or even less overt things than that. It was just like, let's get into the action because. We're all here loving the action part of this action movie right now. Yeah, yeah. Action, action, action. Action, action. Well, it's a, it's a great flowing <laughs> kinetic action movie. It's so great for that. Um, all right, so let's dive into some of the details. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we liked the film, but let's talk some details of what we liked. Yeah. I would like you to start with one or two examples because I have a list, and I'm going to try to <laughs> limit myself. I mean, there's so many, and I didn't write down the list. So <laughs> I'm a monster. Goodness. I mean, I honestly, I was on board right away from the opening credits. I love the just kind of um, the uh, the approach of just kind of saying, okay, this is this person's experience right now in her life. And she is telling the story, sometimes going backwards, then, you know, part of the time we're going forwards. But from her perspective right then, and I just love how much you are instantly sucked in, brought in directly to that, and whether it's like, oh, I should have told that a little differently, let me back up, or just kind of, I just, I love that you are instantly um, hooked, honestly. I mean, at least for me, I was instantly hooked, and I felt like you instantly were in the the tone of the movie uh, right away. And I absolutely love that. Um, I mean, there's everything from just kind of one of my favorite lines, which I can't even remember right now, uh, is again a Harley Quinn thing where she's talking about how everybody has their place, whether it's the Eiffel Tower or, and she, um, Shake Shack, oh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. Shake Shack, but it yeah, something like romantic that. Place, uh, Olive yeah. Garden, I think. Olive Garden, it. yes. And it's just like, <laughs> I love that because like in the moment you're like, oh, clever line, but they're like, that's so true, like many couples do have you know whatever their situation is they have their place which might just be like that park bench on the corner or that crosswalk or olive garden and so i you know there's to me there's moments like that that do make it so very relatable within a world that has a lot of things that truly are not probably relatable to most of us most of us are not going to you know have a big glitter gunfight uh, as much as we might want to yeah yeah so just the the uh relatability of harley and her world yeah just the tone the bringing you in the inviting you in i felt invited in to observe the story mm-hmm. which is fine i have no need to actually participate in this story um but i felt very much like 
like I was invited. I was given a front row seat. Everybody knew that we were there. <laughs> that's cool. That's great. And um, and I really and and I felt like that's that tone and bringing you in stayed throughout, which I guess is partly just a good movie. But. It is just a good movie, but sometimes <laughs> that doesn't happen. And I also think it's tonally different. We've had lots of different superhero movies with lots of different approaches, but sometimes there is the kind of wink nod, of, especially if it's something iconic, right? Mm-hmm. And you see Batman's shadow for the first time, or you, you see Clark Kent whip off his glasses uh, the first time, and there's like some iconography that can be associated with uh, superhero films, or you see Cap Shield under the ice, and there can be a little bit of a, yeah. ooh, I know what that means, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This film, because it does want to introduce or reintroduce people to Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, either because they don't know the character role, just saw her in Suicide Squad, whatever, um, it really leans into not only am I going to give you like the, the the Wikipedia of here's the character and her abilities, but it starts so much with it, that deceptive narration with the comic book uh, stuff that just sounds like it's giving you a setup, but what it, it's letting us know who Harley is immediately of letting us know that she is violent and dangerous and you know definitely has some issues but it immediately makes her relatable by talking about she starts with her childhood mm-hmm. like it's that got that great jokey tone but she talks about being abandoned by her father and abused by nuns mm-hmm. so you immediately like her because she is being funny and entertaining and it's engaging and bouncy and comic book and all these great things but she is just really gi- giving you this clinical rundown of Here's what happened to me. Yeah. Get it, you so you can be on my side when I start to be violent. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And it's kind of the, also the like because she does have because she was a um psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm not sure which, but um it, she does have that like here's my history. Here's what you need to know to understand me now. Yeah. And I and I do I I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um it, yeah. That in in that dovetails into my just number one favorite thing that I liked about the film is how it handled Harley. I love that she is both like a well motivated you understand why she's doing everything it's relatable uh none of us have dated the joker in the real world the clown prince of crime <laughs> we've all had some bad exes but not as bad as a joker but we all understand what a really bad breakup is we all understand on some level even if we haven't had the full experience what what being uh dumped by somebody that you had a uh, unhealthy codependent relationship with mm-hmm. so it's it's all very relatable uh but Harley is shown to us as highly, highly competent. So mm-hmm. she's relatable. She's great at kicking ass. She's amazing. And it, they use it as both a joke and real story and theme driver. She's a great uh, therapist. She psychoanalyzes people and herself really easily. So you never forget. Like, though, that's that's not just like a backstory for how she met a joke, the Joker. It is a huge part of her character. Yeah. So she's got all these great things of like, She's relatable. She's uh, incredibly skilled and accomplished. But the film isn't like we're trying to kind of make her uh, okay to be a hero now. Like, you know, she's not going through like, for example, what a little bit of what Spike went through on Buffy of like a redemption arc, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for people who are watching Walking Dead, there's a little bit of that going on with the with the character who a bad guy we were introduced to a couple seasons ago who is horribly bad that they're trying hard to just make, can you kind of forgive him so we can move on? Well, there is some, I think, redemptiveness to it. The film never backs off from the clown 
and that is the aspect that she is a a clown in this very classic way, which is to me we've seen a lot of stories with clowns who are scary because they are made up like a clown, and a clown is supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. but it's scary because they're doing the opposite of fun. And like that's why I didn't like the Joker in Suicide Squad is because he was just an awful gangster who happened to look like a clown. And what what Harley is doing in this movie, which is so fun, is she is being sort of the classic uh, fool in that she is the character who is doing weird, kind of anarchy-led, kind of id, Freudian id, just what do I want? I'll take it. And mm-hmm. in a lot of my studies of comedy, that boils up in a lot of cultures that had sacred fools on purpose and were like aware of, we need to, we have rules that our society must abide by, mm-hmm. but we need a way to tap that keg and let the pressure off so we have these fools, these symbols who can go nuts and do some of the crazy unbalanced things that we want to do, mm-hmm. but kind of aren't appropriate. And there's almost like, That's what the Marx Brothers tap into in a lot of their films, like Harpo in particular, of just, I see that and I want it, so I grab it. And she is just, it's not that she's a danger psycho clown. She is a true, traditional, almost sacred fool clown of, I want to hit people with the mallet. (laughs) I want (laughs) to eat cereal now. I just thought, you know what? I'd prefer not to pay for these groceries, so screw it. And it's not in... She's not angry. I mean, she is. But in those moments that we get to go along with her for the ride, almost literally, it's joyful because it's just like, ah, I'd love to get pissed and just steal my groceries. It's so fun to vicariously do that (laughs) through Harley. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's I mean, that's an amazing analysis. And um, from the little I know of comedy theory, I agree with everything you said. (laughs) Um, No, but but what you ended on with it being so joyful, I feel like that is part of it, too, because it is it, not that things have to be happy. I, that's not, but there's you feel the spirit of joy within her at certain times throughout the movie. Yeah. 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 And I love that idea of her as almost like the sacred fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I mean, the, the, there's a lot to that, but I just really like that spirit of joy and fun and that an idea of a clown uh, should be joyful, not just a contrast to heighten the violence Mm -hmm. you know Uh, there's a reason there's a reason that it's fun that she has a mallet there's an absurdity to it right (laughs) that that there's a cartoonishness that makes sense like in the way you know we even see that moment where she's just eating cereal and watching cartoons and almost that like i'd like to do that fun (laughs) (laughs) anyway um other things that jump to your mind of i I want to hear about your list because i'm sure most of them are on my list if i had a list okay uh, you already mentioned this kind of, but it is the actual structure of the world, the structure of Gotham. This might be like my favorite Gotham that I've ever seen mm. because uh, there's there's always been a, a challenge in translating uh, some of the DC universe to the screen. Because in Marvel, for the most part, they, there's some made up places, but the, they're mostly in New York. The West Coast Avengers, they were in Los Angeles. Uh, but DC has always been like Metropolis has significantly different architecture and weather from wherever Gotham is under constant rain and thunder and clouds. And, <laughs> you know, this very specific uh, gothic, uh, brutal architecture. And Superman's all art deco and sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and so there's all you get all these interpretations of Gotham, and some are like super over the top German expressionism, like the uh, Tim Burton Batman movies. Uh, and this was great because it had a little bit of that. Like, there's certain streets where it just looks like that could be any large urban environment, and there's the kind of more real life systemic violence, crime, squalor kind of going on in the background, kind of people having a hard time in life. But then also, of course, there's a giant chemical factory. And of course, there's an abandoned amusement park. And it it was just kind of joyful and simple the way it was just, it blended together in all the color palettes of the film. But it was just like, yeah, no, there's some mean streets that might look like ours. But then also, it just does exist in a heightened world. Mm -hmm. All the characters are super emotionally grounded. The systems that they are trapped in are super grounded and real. But also, everybody's just like, yeah, that's the big abandoned <laughs> chemical factory. Yeah. And, just, and it seemed, it, what made it feel great was it felt like these are the mean streets of Gotham and the mean weird streets of Gotham. And there are a million stories. And Batman's fighting Two-Face somewhere at the same time during all this because there's just a ton of violent weirdos running around yeah, in yeah. this playground. Yeah, absolutely. It very much felt like we were seeing a, just a slice yeah. at very different slices throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. So I <clears throat> I really like that just aesthetically and what it did for the movie. You mentioned this as well. I re- The structure was so great. Mm. Uh, not only that it was narrated by Harley, which it really evokes a lot of comic books that have you know text narration where you're inside the character's head, but it just made it, it, it solved a bunch of, for me, like screenwriting problems of, we want to start with Harley and we want to stay on Harley for a while. We want to dole out action scenes at a certain point. But we have this ensemble cast and we want you to relate to them all and we want them you to know what's going on with them. So to have Harley go, oh, wait, you should know this first. Let me go back. It actually like solves all of these interesting structural problems of how to have an ensemble cast where everybody feels important but always still feel like the thrust of the narrative is with your lead. Mm-hmm. But then it also just totally reflects Harley. Yeah. Of feeling like she'd be right in the middle of the most important thing in her life and then go, ah, damn, I forgot I wanted to tell you two other things. <laughs> and it it makes you feel like you're in that both like, is she okay? And it's joyful and fun. Headspace right along with her by jumping around weirdly in the narrative. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm glad you like that too. <laughs> Do you have any, any thoughts or reactions to that one? Did you ever feel lost in the movie or did you enjoy it? No, I mean, I no, I did not feel lost. Yes, I did enjoy it. <laughs> did you feel lost? Did you enjoy it? No, um, no, I, I enjoyed it very much, and I I do agree with. I think it's that, you know, it's not something that at least for the films that I've seen, I don't see a lot of it. You see, it maybe in TV shows where it's like the forty eight hours earlier, but to have the narration of Harley just be like, oh wait, forgot something. Let's go back. I think that's part of why I I use that analogy of you're sitting in the front row seats because that I feel like that is often the type of thing that happens when you're, you know, out with a friend catching up and they're telling you a story and they're like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. You're like, okay, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I forgot. You don't know about this part. So let me just back up, give you the backstory. Okay, now let me keep going from where I had left off before. It just, it felt so in the moment. And I think it really gives Harley that sense of... um reality yeah which makes all of this feel even more real um than maybe it does otherwise yeah Uh, yeah yeah it's one of the many things that makes her relatable while she is still feeding someone to hyena Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> which is really, really nice. Um, is there anything that you didn't like or questioned about the film? Uh, I feel like I already said the one thing that I questioned, which I also like, but I did question, which was the hair tie line, which I know was like, <laughs> hands down, the people after the people, everybody was like, that, you could tell it was directed by a woman. Hair tie. Um, that is really one of the main moments for me that I had just kind of been like, eh, let me think about this. Like, I think I was just taken out for a moment. Yeah. Uh, when we watched it. I don't recall any others when we first watched it where um, any other moments that I was uncertain of. Um, it was, and I, I feel like I should say, like, I am not, I've said before in the podcast, you know, I just, I did not grow up reading comic books. I'm not, as an adult, a big comic book reader. To me, it always a good sign of a movie is like, oh, I really enjoy that movie. Now I want to read the comic books. Yeah. Which is honestly a little bit of the effect of Birds of Prey on me. But I don't have um, any background with Harley Quinn. So it's, so for me, it is all a new thing. Um, some of the characters who have appeared in other like DC TV shows and movies I've had experience with. But I feel, I feel the need to say that. Yeah. Um, no, I honestly, I don't have any specific things that are kind of ringing a bell right at this moment. Okay, I only have two things, yeah. and one of them's not really a complaint. I'm very excited. To uh, hear. Well, I, I think you know, and I think you're just forgetting. The only thing that is challenging for me about this film is knee injuries. Oh, <laughs> and there is that one scene uh, for you as well. There are a couple of fairly visceral knee injuries, like the the in general leg injuries. Oh, you're curling up; parts of your body are contracting. Yeah, I'm sorry to make you think about it. The film is fascinating because it has this language of comic book action that is definitely over the top, but definitely also doesn't shy away from the actual brutality and some really specific choices. There's some like more graphic things where normally like a big gross sickening noise would go with them. And I was really intrigued early in the film of like, wow, normally there'd be a big gross you out noise Mm -hmm. and it isn't there. Mm -hmm. And it was like, ooh, in a way, like I really like that because like, I, I get the point. I feel for the victim. Mm-hmm. I see how awful the person is. Mm-hmm. I don't need the big gross noise. <laughs> but then there are a couple of <laughs> leg injuries that are like, oh, okay, I, did, I really, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will agree. And I actually, when you were saying, are there anything things that you don't like? Those were the moments that were in my head, but I was uh, choosing not to say it. Um, yes, and I will say that on rewatching it because we have rewatched it. Um, one of them doesn't bug me as much as the other one. Yes. And I'm right there with you. We had a really nice, this was an insight into our marriage. <laughs> you don't like, in general, big leg injuries because you are a dancer. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, and knee things bother me. I saw a couple of friends have knee injuries early in life, and knee injuries are not my favorite. So there was one knee injury early on during this film, and I think you turned to see if I was okay. Mm-hmm. And then when there was a larger leg injury, I turned to see if you were okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we turned the ugliness into beauty, I think. Right. Yeah, that's a totally, totally subjective thing, and I think both of them are utterly in the spirit of the film. It's not an actual criticism. It's a uh, a personal thing. Yeah, and handled so well within yeah. the film. And then when I rack my brain for anything else that I would be critical of personally the only thing i could find is stuff that i would just want more of but to me that's good especially in a movie like this that you know all superhero movies are potentially planting seeds that's just the world we live in to be like hey here's a cool character do you want to see more of them and i think that was my only other like i wouldn't i wanted to spend more time with x i wanted yeah. more time with y 
Yeah, I'm totally on board with that one. Yeah, yeah. Not in a bad way, just in a like, yeah, I liked this. More, please. (laughs) More, please. What did you feel was the were some of the big picture themes or ideas of the film? Um, so I would say, um, gosh, I'm I'm just trying to quickly put it into into words. I I was I was going to say redemption, which is not what I mean. I feel like um, one of the giant themes is taking ownership of your own life and kind of the like. Not that it's given to you, but sometimes you have to just take it. Yeah. And it might not be pretty. Everybody might not agree with it. You might be called names or kicked in the legs when you try to do it. (laughs) Um, But that sense of your life is yours. Other people will try to take your agency away from you, but you need to fight for your own agency and also within that, find out what your, who the people you can trust are and not just be by yourself. I feel like there was also very much um, a theme of, of figuring out who to trust, honestly, because it isn't about like, oh, you got to be by yourself or, oh, you've got to be with people. But it's like, okay, you've got to not be with the wrong people based on whoever you are and whatever your situation is. Like, I feel like there are a lot of different examples of people who had their people that were not the right people for other people. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would say, I would say those are my two biggest takeaways, just off the top of my head. Yeah, I think uh, I totally agree with you. That was the first element that I wanted to talk about because I think the film is pretty explicitly. It starts with her uh, being broken up from the Joker, and then in the first act, the a lot of the conflict comes from she used to be able to do whatever she wants because she had the protection of Joker, and mm-hmm. so it has sort of been released from this uh, systemic protection, mm-hmm. um, and now it's a challenge to just be who she wants to be. So a lot of the film is her reclaiming her agency. But what I really loved about this movie is I think we have done so much storytelling in general in the world. And I think really particularly in America of the story of only one person could do this and you have to be, you know, the lone gun, you know, you have to be solo. You have to, you know, storm the building by yourself because you can't trust anyone. And I think there's a sort of, um, there's a, it, it, to me, it's this, it's a uh, negative side of agency. Like, I totally believe in agency and uh, finding yourself and finding your own power. But I think sometimes that can slip into, and then you're good and <laughs> screw everybody else. Right. And it can be a, a stories that should be empowering start to seep into this, like, we're all out for ourselves. We're all in it for ourselves. So this film is absolutely about Harley finding her agency, but exactly like you said, it's not that we shouldn't look to help for other people. It's that we need to know who to trust. And yeah. I love that those are both huge twin themes. Um, I feel strongly, I know people disagree. I know people who don't like the film, but that's one of the reasons that I love Rise of Skywalker as well. It's To me, it is absolutely about Ray finding her agency, but also about how we are all a community and we all need one another and things work when everybody finds their own power and shows up. And I feel like uh, this uh, movie about a a violent criminal clown left me (laughs) not only just like amused and entertained, uh, but this feeling of you can find your agency and 
there's a lot in the world that you should not trust. But you, but if you can find people you can trust and start building systems of your own, then yes, it's a joy to be a part of community and it's a joy to trust uh, and rely on others. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, a, a, a beautiful message for a violent clown movie. <laughs> if you feel that's what, you know, what it is on the surface. Um, for me, I, I really also liked that it was just explicit in the film that the problems that almost all of these characters are encountering were uh, systemic and they were from systems ruled by uh, selfish and violent men. It mm-hmm. Just uh, across the board is the whole Joker protection. Uh, it is the bad guy's plot that uh, Black Mask uh, Roman is trying to take, have is trying to get all of the money so therefore he can buy everyone so therefore he can have the power. Yeah. Uh, Montoya has been uh, mistreated by the system of the police department. Uh, it goes on and on. I don't need to list all the examples, but it's when you start breaking it down, it is not, uh, it's not subtle that that is what's going on in the film. Yeah. Did you, uh, on that note, mm-hmm. uh, how did that, is that one of the things that made it feel relatable, that made it feel like this is a film made by women because their lack of agency wasn't, I can't find myself. I don't know who I am. It was that they were being controlled and abused by systems led by men. Mm-hmm. Um, did I feel like that was part of... Is that a part of what made it feel relatable when you said that you, that it felt more real? Yeah, I think so. And I think partly just the, like, the uh, not everybody, many of the people felt like they needed to keep playing within the system that was there and that eventually it would change mm-hmm. which throughout the like for example like Montoya um realized that you know, the police were not going to change in her favor um and yeah and others kind of finding their own way of honestly just kind of calling bs on that system <laughs> yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I would not say that I have been in the in the position of any of those people in this film, but I felt like, yeah, I would agree that that's part of what makes it relatable. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. guess, uh, it, because it was so systemic, and uh, a lot of the bad guys were clearly, literally bad guys. Yeah, yes. it never felt to me like a. Like, I never felt as a uh, man person <laughs> watching it that it was, uh, it, you know, about all men. It was about the system and about these specific bad people doing bad things. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I feel like it was very specifically about corruption. Yes. Um. So Yes, because a lot of it is we can matter. buy all the cops. Yeah. Yeah, like, so to a certain extent in this movie, it doesn't matter who were the people at the top, you know, who was Roman, who was, um, you know, the police captain or who, whoever the other people were. Um, it's more that corruption and that feeling that you can buy power and these people trying to, you know, our, our characters, I will call them our characters, yeah. uh, fighting back against that or finding a way to say, this is not a system that I want to be part of, so I'm going to actively p- fight against it and try to break it down. Yes. Um, which makes it much less about the people are honestly even even though in this case it was very uh 
gender dynamic for some of them, it isn't even necessarily always about that. It's more about like corruption and people trying to buy control and put people under the heels and who wants to be under the heel of somebody else? Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, and one of the things I liked without getting too specific about the ending is some of the victory conditions were definitely internal to what the characters discovered, but like for the, the point of the plot, the, the victory conditions like there are in the board game were about money. And I find this fascinating because it was one of the things I really liked about uh, Ocean's 8 as well is that some of the victory at the end was accomplished by women getting their hands on money and therefore being able to make some different systemic choices with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that felt real relatable to me. Uh, <laughs> the other the other uh, the theme... Uh, the other one of the other things that I really like that I wanted to be sure to talk about and it kind of relates to this is I absolutely loved to hate Black Mask. Uh, Black Mask was such a great villain. He said horrible, awful things that I didn't agree with, obviously, <laughs> but it cracked me up so much because he was played for this very specific kind of comedy. And to me, the comedy was he is saying almost word for word the kind of bad guy monologues that have been written for decades. But the way that Ewan McGregor was directed and the way that Ewan McGregor played it was these things were coming out of total weakness. His desire for control was out of this feverish, to me, sort of toxic masculinity. If I don't have power, if I don't have control, then I'm nothing. And it made all of these lines that would normally just be like, yeah, Dr. Doom says that on a Tuesday. Come on, whatever. Both funny and then suddenly like just much more impactful mm. of like the, you know, like, hey, I got these, uh, I've stolen these masks from other cultures. Look at their little haircut. Now they're in my living room. And now they're in my living room. If you just take it as a joke, it sounds like, what an idiot. There's a contrast between, you know, how uh, they should be in a museum and instead they're in this guy's living room and he has this sort of like, he's talking about these valuable cultural artifacts like their hot wheel toys he collected and that's funny but then when you dig down into the meaning of that funny it's it's because that's he's just looking for status if culture yeah. turned around and told him hot wheels toys made him valuable and made him have worth he'd be he wouldn't be black mask he'd be he'd be uh, you know hot wheels <laughs> that would be his superhero name and he would be obsessed of like you know he goes that he goes on that uh, weird speech about things it's like that's a thing so it has to be my thing. He, he is such yeah. a portrait of the some of the things that I feel culturally um, we're supposed to value and that I feel I have a, a, a baggage about masculine, in particular masculine archetypes of this is how I have val- a value mm-hmm. are just stripped away to he's just weak and sad. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny and really, really likable because I think it's, it is uh, it is good to see that portrayed on screen. Yeah, no, I and that I, honestly, I think that's another thing that I would put up there very high on my what did I like about this movie list is um, in particular his portrayal. I just feel like having having the villain who you get to see this kind of like you see their vulnerability, but not in a way like you normally do. Like, oh, I'm sad, and this is how you would actually kill me, but I can't tell anybody that. But you get to see like, oh, this is. This is just who I am when I'm in my living room and I'm trying to figure out how to be a human also. But isn't this weird and funny? But like you also see, totally see kind of the evil side of him, but it's just in such a different way. Um, 
and it doesn't ask you to forgive him. No, you know, and 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 it goes along with uh, Harley's uh, therapy uh, or her analysis of it being able to break people down quickly. That mm-hmm. we learn more about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're still he's still a villain. It, oh, it's absolutely. not like you don't feel bad for him in that way. Like, oh, if they just understood, like that's not at all what I mean. I just mean that it's it's just a different approach from most of things that I've seen. Um, attack. Uh, for portraying um, kind of a comic book villain. Yeah. And and it's so fun. It's continuing that spirit of fun, but there's a reason for it. It feels um, like the roots of the comedy for where that, where that, the, the roots for where that comedic performance sprang out of are so deeply imbued within this film. Yeah. And I think that's kind of my like overall, like <laughs> this is, this film is like, it's a garden and it's the... <laughs> The comedy roots within it don't just have little tiny roots like grass that just sit on the surface of the soil. You know, they're like, um, you know, prairie grasses where you've got roots that go like way down deep. (laughs) But then as a result, you get like all this nourishment and it's coming way up to the top. See, you can bring stars into this. I can bring bring, gardens and plants into this. Please bring gardens and plants everywhere. (laughs) Uh, For every Star Wars uh, reference I make, please mention at least (laughs) one tree to balance this out. Yeah, there had been a discussion uh, that the movie would have performed better if it had been PG-13. And I saw some talking on Twitter. Like, it would have been pretty easy to take these swears out and move this around. Like, But what I really liked about the film is I... absolutely has a sense of joy and fun and energy and surprise and all these great things but it it doesn't ask you to go oh at the end harley realized violence is wrong it didn't ask you there's a there's that one scene of uh black mask being really disturbingly i mean he's disturbing throughout and but there's one scene that's just like it's not being fun it's awful and it's hard to watch it, but it's it should be because that's the truth of the character. And I really like that this film was had that palette to go. We're not excusing any of these things. We're telling this story. This is who these people are. Mm-hmm. But we're also trying to ask you to understand where they where they come from and why they are that way. And we're still going to have fun. But this is the truth. Yeah. We're not looking away from the ugliness, but we're still having fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, honestly, it's one of the things, uh, as hard as some parts are to watch, that I really enjoy about it because, um, or that I appreciate about it, is that it's not it's not just saying like, oh, yeah, well, we're saying they're bad, so just believe us. But like, no, you get to see it. You get to feel it. So as much as you feel joy in other moments, you feel horror um, at some of the actions of some of the characters in other moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the other uh, big picture themes I felt is just like the idea that joy is a valid thing to pursue. Mm. Um, it, it's been covered a lot, but and people absolutely love it. But the early scene that all Harley Quinn wants more than anything is this beautiful egg sandwich. Mm-hmm. And you're setting her up to lose that. Uh, there's a, the thread with um, with Huntress. Is particularly mm-hmm. towards the end where she's trying to figure out, well, how do I just be a person? Mm-hmm. You get that with a little bit of that that portrayal of Harley as like, I just want to do what I want to do. And so all of that kind of combines to me of is a overall theme of joy and just simple pleasure is a great motivation. It's a great thing to pursue. It doesn't all have to be like, and here's my grand epiphany. I am <laughs> changed. It's just joy. Fight for joy. Yeah, 
Fight for joy. Fight for joy. Watch some cartoons. Eat an egg sandwich. Mm, <laughs> Swing them <yum>. out. <laughs> Do you have uh, favorite comedy moments? Mm. Oh, <sighs> so many. I mean, I so one would be the um, just the comment about people. Everybody has their place. The Eiffel Tower, Olive Garden. Uh, <laughs> to me, is a comedy moment. Yeah. Um. Anytime Harley has her mallet is both fantastic and great comedy. <laughs> so I I absolutely love that. The glitter gunfight. Yes. Um, again, great action, but also constantly include, uh, imbued with a sense of fun and comedy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's 10,000 other examples that I'm not thinking of right now, but there's a few. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Um, How's your list? Uh, my list is going great. I'm going through it pretty fast. I'm going to go through this even faster. Uh, everything about Huntress. I like the game of what her name is. Everybody's calling her the crossbow killer, and she wants to be known as Huntress. It's like some great... Uh, it, it felt relatable because I, I think a lot of us have had the, like, we want to be called a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Or can I think I've had times where, like, I want a cool nickname. and like But people just want to call you the most obvious thing, so that was fun. Um the 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 revelation that she it's not a revelation to the character of Huntress if you know her that she is uh, of tragedy and has trained forever to be a an assassin a kick ass mm-hmm. assassin it it was mind blowingly fresh to have fun with the idea of and therefore since she's been raised to be nothing but an assassin she's not real socialized like she <laughs> yeah. doesn't know how to have fun with the gang yeah. and she's learning and that was one of the things that made me feel like not only is that like the you get all the fun of badass killer with a crossbow mm-hmm. who is super confident and is trained forever and is hard. You get all that fun, but then you get the humanity of that. Yeah. Like, cool, you can kill anybody with a crossbow from anywhere, um, but do you know how to just chill and talk to people? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so I loved that. I thought it was great human comedy. A, a small bit that I really liked is the, the, the fight in the um, evidence area where uh, Harley... Uh, hides behind this big box of uh, what turns out to be cocaine as it gets shot with bullets and <laughs> she takes a sniff. That was one of those moments that for me, like I've seen like fights through the evidence room a million times and I've never seen that. Yeah. And it's also like, hey, we're trying to make Harley relatable. But yeah, there's some cocaine floating through the air. She's going to sniff it and we're not going to apologize for it. Gives the film that little bit of edge. That's mm-hmm. like we are not trying to make we're trying to make Harley enjoyable to watch and relatable and you can root for her but we're not trying to say she isn't who she is right uh and i, I love that and then the grievances all just all the grievances uh, oh, that, that oh when, yes. when people were out for her and it flashed on the screen what their grievances were uh and just great joke escalation and variation and the there's the ones that flash through a huge list that flashes through for one of the characters and one of them is a grievance that uh that she voted for bernie <laughs> Which I yes. thought was great. Yeah. Uh, final, final subtle one for me is eh, not subtle. It's just I, I only noticed it on the second viewing. There's a bunch of signs everywhere for Black Masks uh, Corporation, uh, Janice. Oh yeah. Uh, and every time you see it, the J is crossed out by some graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which just makes the city feel alive. It does. It does. Absolutely. Can I add one more? Yeah, also? please. Um, so we haven't really talked about Cassandra Kane yet. No. Who I think does many wonderful comedy moments. But one of my favorites um, is in the beginning when we're seeing her skill as a like, pickpocket. Yeah. When 
she's not a kid who goes skipping down the street, but she puts on that persona and she goes skipping in the middle between like this group of people and like pickpockets half of them while she's just skipping through them. And I just love it because it's it's both that like, oh, yeah, that's that what they want to think. Cause she's just a kid having like pure joy. And then she stops and has all their like watches and wallets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah that is a great a moment great and moment. a great contrast. Um, we, we've talked about a lot of the serious moments. Do you have any favorite moment of weight or character change or gravitas that, that resonated with you? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I love the truck going into the chemical factory. Oh yeah. Like love that moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, just, was it the, both the concept in the visualization? That, it's totally the visualization. It's that, the, it's, I, it's the visualization, the execution. It's everything from she gets the idea. She decides to execute it. She hasn't thought through all of it. The music that's going on in the soundtrack at the same time. It's, it's that drive up to it more than it is the actual explosion. It's just that moment of, decision yeah um, and i would say in retrospect a questionable decision but uh, harley says that so yeah yeah uh yes exactly uh, harley and i would both say but i i truly just it is one of my favorite moments of the film it's really beautiful in lots of different ways um the only one that we haven't talked about for me is um i love that when harley has the uh kind of flash vision of herself uh, as uh, Marilyn Monroe, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't have a James Bond sequence. <laughs> Maybe in a sequel. Um, there are a lot of little subversions in there. Uh, but I I saw that in the trailer and thought, ooh, that's a great aesthetic and that will be interesting and cool. But I love the way it's used. It is in a, a, a moment where she is going through trauma. And it's almost like we get this blink into how she operates and how she handles trauma by processing it through this sort of weird vision mm-hmm. and i thought that was a great way i don't know i think i was really affected by it because i think i just saw i saw flashes of it in trailers i think i saw gifs of it and it felt like ah, oh, this is gonna be a good comedy bit with harley quinn and i think i just really loved that this flash of uh you of seeing herself in a weird pop culture scenario was not just for fun it was coping it was trauma mm-hmm. i thought yeah, that's I, I really enjoyed that uh did you have a favorite action moment oh gosh so many i mean i've, I've railed against it so i need to also say the hair tie moment you are um, you're saying your perspective that you uh, celebrate hair flying during fights no, I think I just had that moment of like, oh, is this the thing that this movie is going to get dinged for? I think what it is, oh, is okay. it's the moment when my inner critic came out. It's I didn't have many moments when watching the film the first time. The second time I loved it. But the first time that was when my inner critic came out and I was like, ah, is this the thing everybody's going to ding the film, film for? Got it. So it's more it was more like my my um, inner critic, my meta self. Yeah. Saying my id like prejudging for everybody else oh yeah no then, i know what you yeah, mean it, it honestly wasn't i loved it and it's like oh but nobody else is gonna love this but, i understand yes i have yeah. had that moment in other uh pop culture films where i have to push away the like oh wow that's gonna piss everybody off but i liked <laughs> it <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. weird feeling it is it yeah. is and that's much more what it was for me than than me not liking it just to be very clear got it that's super clear yeah um you already there's so many great action moments it, it is the action is so great 
uh, in, in a way almost um, because it, the the movie is so funny and so energetic. I do not want to miss talking about how incredibly well the action is filmed. There's so uh, it, it is a fan of action movies. I like when you can tell exactly what people are doing and why. I, I understand some of the the value of fast cuts that make it feel a little bit more like a, a real fight where there's a flurry of limbs and you don't really know what's going on. But I don't like that. I like watching it when it's like a stylized, slightly over-the-top ballet of violence. And you, oh my God, every uh, swooping kick, every toss of a <laughs> random item, every swing of a mallet, you know exactly where everyone is in space and why they're doing it and why it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And in that world, that is the world where you can have something like the person on the car in roller skates jumping in through the window and it works. Yeah. Like it I feel like everything that is going on is, you know, building up and it's it all works. You've got this um, you know, in the very general sense, you've got this ballet of action moves. Yeah. All throughout the film. And all of it just does kind of feel to me like the way I felt when I would like e- eat a pixie stick <laughs> <laughs> too fast and be like ah. <laughs> like it's got that great energy to it. Yeah. But I think the the uh we, I, I think we paused right at the end of the big uh, glitter gun fight. Uh, not really a fight. Harley just walks through and cleans shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it is both the the action of it is totally on point, but the just sort of bananas. I I want colors everywhere because that's just kind of how I like the world. Yeah. Like so, it is not only her sort of physically accomplishing a goal and stopping people from stopping her it's like she's painting yeah <laughs> she's like yeah. this is the way i kind of see the world so um i, I want to share a little bit of my uh, my palette <laughs> while shooting you in the ass yeah and even here she's having fun you know whether with shooting the paints but also even with some of the action movement and kind of again i feel like a lot of what she manages to do is because people aren't taking her seriously and don't think that she'll see this or she'll you know, do a cartwheel over their arm and then kick them. And, you know, it's it just, it's such such a great combination of movements and action and visualizations. Yeah, and you're right. There is a real um, element to it that you feel almost a narrative of underestimating mm-hmm. that people think that they've got Harley. And yeah, you're I, like, oh, no, you don't. Yeah, I, I at least that's how I felt it, especially in that um, opening, uh, or not opening, but the, uh, the glitter paint gun montage. Yeah, 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 absolutely great. And and I think that's what it is, too, is it's fresh. Yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is your egg sandwich? What oh. food do you love so much it could motivate you through at least part of the film? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Honestly, a really good egg sandwich, minus the bacon, <laughs> or use bacon. Um, I, I read there... Like there's something about a really good egg sandwich that I kind of feel like there's a reason that that's what was chosen. It's not a hamburger. It's not, you know, a um, frozen pizza, frozen pizza. It's not a salad. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not it's I feel like there's a very specific 
Is it because it's part of your stomach that an egg sandwich fills? <laughs> <laughs> and I say this as a person who has an egg sandwich like maybe once every other year. So it's not like a thing that I actually go get or really want very often. Well, now that I know it fills a specific part of your stomach, <laughs> I need to give egg sandwiches another try. But I know what you mean. I think there's a little bit of that vibe of they're like a, a little bit of a hangover food, maybe. And certainly, and also just like the way it's presented in the movie for her that it is so much of this shop and uh, of these, it's not egg sandwiches, it's this egg sandwich, you know? Well, and I think maybe, here's maybe why I very specifically relate to that is I can think of one egg sandwich that I had at a restaurant that I don't even remember the name of is no longer exists, but that was amazing. And I'd never, I'd, I'm sure I'd had an egg sandwich before, but I like, I hadn't really thought about it. I was up with friends one afternoon and I was like, yeah, sure. I need some protein. I've been eating too much lettuce or whatever. I'll have an egg sandwich. And it was so good. And I've, I, I, it's one of those kinds of foods where then you're always like, oh, I want to recreate that experience. Yeah. So I, I, for me, the egg sandwich totally works. Okay. Um, I'm sure I have other, I, I will think of other foods. I mean, there's so many other foods. Are you, you know, I was going to say, are you kidding? But you, you eat with me often, you know. You, yes. Um, we, we think of many foods, both yeah. of us, uh, yeah. but you more than me. I but mean, it's really good to know that you will kick ass for an egg sandwich. Yeah. I also, a really good croissant. <laughs> Just putting that out there. A little bit easier to find. I'll take egg sandwich or croissant. We're going to move on to our how obsessed are you questions. I'm going to ask you uh, just a few. Uh, is this a movie that you would want to see once a year, once a month, or once a week? <laughs> I think um, I would definitely put it in the once a year list. Okay. I think that might be just kind of for, for me and my approach. I feel like that's good. Okay. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, it is incredibly fun, but there are parts of it that are intense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's just kind of, um, you know, I try to be aware of reality sometimes. And there's a lot of movies that I would like to put in my once a year list. Yeah. Um, but if I put all of them in my once a month list, I'll never watch anything new. Fair enough. That makes uh, perfect sense. Uh, would you ever want to be transported into the reality of this movie? Yeah, see, this is where like I'd be like, yeah, and be like, <laughs> no, no, I actually don't want to have to deal with all of these systemic problems that all these people are fighting against. <laughs> yeah, I would maybe be transported into the end of the movie under the protection of the birds of prey, and that's maybe. about it for me. Yeah, I think there is a part of me that it is like, I think that's a part of the power of this movie is even though you see. Harley go through stuff you see moments of Harley doing things where like I want to do that that moment where she just decides maybe she's already decided but she reveals it to Cassandra that like eh, I'm, I'm shoplifting I'm gonna take all this mm-hmm. and then that locked off shot of just the joyful pushing of the cart like there's that moment where just like I know it's wrong I know it will hurt other people in society therefore I will not do it but I wanna <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so great about this film to me of those moments where like yeah no i don't want to have to go through the hardships that these people do it's this is you know a a rough world old gotham yeah um but those there's those moments where like yeah i want want to do what harley did just there yeah yeah is that okay i I, totally am i i I like to kick people i don't actually (laughs) want to kick people and and i say that like i kick people a lot i don't but i don't want to actually break people's legs with my own legs uh is there any merch inspired by birds of prey that you would want to buy Mm. Yeah, I think this is a good one to have sheets for, like a pillowcase, Ooh. like Birds of Prey pillowcases. Yeah. I feel like good active workout dreams. I don't know. 
<laughs> I have never in my life had a workout dream. <laughs> Do you have workout dreams? It, there's always time to start. Well, let's get some birds of prey uh, sheets and find out. <laughs> <laughs> they can just uh, kick ass into our dreams. That'd be great. Would you strand someone you love on a desert island with only this movie? Oh, I mean, honestly, it's a contender. Here's one of the reasons why I say that is I feel like this is a movie that makes you believe in yourself, at least if you identify more with Harley and less with um, Dark Mask. Um, and so it might give you the belief that you, or the uh, the encouragement to be able to do the things that maybe are within your capacity to do to try to get off the island. Assuming you want to get off the island. <laughs> yeah maybe you're just happy chilling or maybe you're happy and in that case like also fun yeah this movie's all about celebrating fun <laughs> uh if we went to a party and this movie was the only thing you were allowed to talk about would you be happy with that you know i think um for one party yes there's a lot to talk about in this film yeah so i feel like yeah that's it it's like Good yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm interested in that question because sometimes their movies are just like, I know it's not going to be everybody's favorite movie, and I'm happy to just have it be my thing. Mm-hmm. Like my deep love of the film Christopher Robin, which I feel like if I ever <laughs> say that out loud at a party, everyone would just tell me, well, but Paddington's better. I'm like, yeah, okay. But I love Christopher Robin. Uh, so I wouldn't want to go to a Christopher Robin party because yeah. I think a lot of people would be like, right, that's, that's not a good movie. Um, but Harley Quinn, there's so much going on and so many different ways to approach it. Yeah. Would you want to go to a Harley Quinn or a Birds of Prey movie? I mean, a, a party? A Birds of Prey party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got to talk about this movie as much as I would like. I would mm-hmm. love to continue to hear more uh, people's opinions and ideas about it because there's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are about to see Birds of Prey again mm-hmm. on a big screen, but a bear on roller skates was blocking your path into the theater would you try to get around the bear oh yeah <laughs> yeah because here's the thing bear well, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume bigger than me yes um bear on roller skates coming toward me it's got all that extra like inertia and momentum it's gonna roll right past me i'll be able to duck around it it won't know what happened okay i think that's a good answer <laughs> i think the spirit of uh, of uh birds of prey is that one would try to dodge around the bear. Mm-hmm. I don't think Harley or any of the other birds of prey would be stopped by a bear on roller skates. Um, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession? Wee! <laughs> was, that, uh, was that mallet-based noise? Yep. Yay! It's very, very fun. Um, so we're going to get to our obsessed rating. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest, where do you think your obsession level is? I'm going to say right now I'm probably around a 7-ish. Um, and I actually could see that one lasting for a while. I really enjoyed this film. I I go back and forth day by day and how much I think about it. I listen to the album. Um, you kindly purchased for me both the soundtrack and the album. Um, and I've listened to the album more, but I enjoy both of them. So I really, so like, I think about it a lot just because of that. And, um, now on having rewatched the film, I feel like there's just so much to, there's so much to think about and so much to, uh, discuss and to look for in another viewing that, yeah, I, that was a long winded answer to say I'm a seven and I wouldn't be surprised if I stay there for a while. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I think uh, I think I'll go seven two uh, seven as well. Mm-hmm. 
this is fun for me to rate a little bit more often because I really feel how uh, other people uh, have metrics for where they'll put their obsession level. Yeah. Like I know I sound super obsessed and I am, but I only have so much time <laughs> uh, and I don't have full time to devote full obsession. Yeah. But yeah, I really, I love this movie more than I thought I was going in. I thought I was going to like it and I thought it would be funny, but I was concerned that it would be a little bit of like, let's have some fun with the anarchy and violence and kind of edgy. It's, you know, don't don't do that in society, but here's a funny way that Harley Quinn beat up a guy. Yeah. And there is that, but there is so much more. There's so much more humanity and thought and fun and surprise and just, yeah, this, this movie is just, uh, it, 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 it fills uh it fills me with a strange joy also being about lots of difficult things. Yeah. Which is like this unique surprise. Yeah. And we we bought it right away when it became uh available for digital because mm-hmm. the movie did, you know, only okay in theaters. Um and I wanted to support it more and then we were going to do this podcast for a while, but I kept not knowing like if I was ready to go on the ride again. Yeah. And then when I watched it again, it was it's kind of rare that the second time I see a film, it's just as impactful and just as joyful. Mm-hmm. And it was for me. So, That's wonderful. Yeah. So nice and high. And I think another thing is the second the second the movie ends, I'm not like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see a sequel in two or three years. I'm like, what? Where is I want to hit play? Why can't you know? <laughs> why isn't Netflix just, you know, counting down to starting the next like I just want to spend more time with Harley and the Birds of Prey. And yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to our plugging section. Yeah. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw and on uh, Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and here's some quick plugs uh, for the show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. Info on all my upcoming shows because they will upcome again. And comedy albums and stuff. You can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. We are going to move on to the final questions. But one other question that I forgot I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So the actual title of the film is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes, I meant to say that earlier when we were both talking about um, about uh, agency. You'd be like, well, it is actually in the title. Emancipation instead of agency. Yeah, emancipation. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Uh, I like that title because the the weird turn of phrase and the emancipation all feels and sounds like Harley. There has been some uh, Monday morning quarterback kind of conversation that it should have been just called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey because people know Harley Quinn more. How do you feel about that? Do you oh. are you happy with the title? I personally love, uh, absolutely love that it's called Birds of Prey. Rather than Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yeah. Because I feel like um, she's in it. She's leading it. But it's a story about more than just her. Uh, it's a thing that I kind of, that I enjoy the the variety within this, um, the universe of superheroes. That you get to have some things that are like, you know, Superman or Batman. But you also have other things that are multiple characters. Yeah. And I, the other characters in here, we haven't talked about all of them, but they're so strong. They're so good. And I feel like it also, it gives you the sense that it's more than just her. 
Yeah. And to me, I love it. Absolutely. Hands down. Love it. Excellent. That's the final word on that on this podcast, then, and we will move on to our final questions. If you fell into a vat of chemicals and it gave you a superpower, what superpower would you want from a vat of chemicals? To fly. <laughs> you would want to fly, fall into the flying vat of chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. Do, would you want your physical appearance altered in any way by the vat of chemicals? Um, I mean, sure. <laughs> Uh, that's a weird question but it's because (laughs) the whole joker harley thing yeah would you if you had to have you could fly but something was slightly different about your appearance is there anything that you'd you'd pick if you could (laughs) um gosh i mean it maybe this is cheating so tell me if it is i don't mean it is a cheating answer what if one of my arms are slightly shorter than the other one (laughs) what if indeed I mean, it would make flying awfully difficult. And actually, as a dancer, I really don't want that. So, gosh, I've just chosen, like, the worst one. Um, but, that, but that's what came to your mind. I mean, so so we'll keep it. Okay. <laughs> uh, my, my only idea is if my, like, skin had to change, maybe if I could get, like, weird shadows that from a distance made it look like I was more muscular than I am. <laughs> that would be pretty nice. I like that. What if, like, in certain lights it looked like... There's a little bit of iridescence on my skin, but then in other lights, it just looks normal. Oh, yeah. Can I have that one? Yeah, absolutely. Like a, like some weird black light. (laughs) Yeah. Or even just like at like, you know, as the sun's setting, when you get the magic hour and if it just hits like. Oh, and you just sparkle. And you just, there's a little bit of sparkle and you don't quite know, like, is it just the light or is Sarah sparkling? Oh, that's great. Like, you could sparkle during golden hour, and then I want a giant tattoo of a panther on my back that only appears under black light. <laughs> you want this to come out of the vat of chemicals? Yeah. I love it. I mean, if, it's, if you got to go with something, I'm just going with that. Yep. <laughs> if you could uh, make a cocktail for any historical figure, who would it be? Oh. I'm sorry. That should be a whole podcast for you. Yeah, it should. Wow. Um, today, let's see. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna choose Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. What would you yep. make Eleanor Roosevelt? Um, you know, I'm going to make her what I'm drinking right now. Okay. Which is uh, gin, kind of a very straightforward gin, a little bit of Chambord and some orange bitters. I made it because I wanted something that was a little bit pink in honor of Harley Quinn. <laughs> and uh you know it's got that like right combination of both classic cocktail and a little bit sweet like could almost go toward the sherry realm yeah so it feels like the type i I don't honestly know if eleanor was about drank or not she might have probably know she's a teetotaler but it feels like hey i could you know say like this is tea I like that you could bring a cocktail possibly named Harley Quinn to Eleanor Roosevelt and then lie to her about whether or not it's alcohol. I mean, I wouldn't lie. This is in the total spirit of Harley Quinn. I know. I know you do not lie. Uh, Final question on the podcast is always, what is happiness? Do you want to answer general what is happiness? Or do you want to answer what is happiness in the context of Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey? Both. Fighting for joy. <laughs> that is a great answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast with me every week and talking about things that you and I are both obsessed with. It's my pleasure. Yay. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. 
So one thing that I haven't talked about that I really enjoyed is the portrayal of Black Canary. I feel like she adds so much the depth of character, both that we see her in the nightclub, but also, at, you know, when she's joined the team and is fighting. And I just really want to um, end with a little shout out to how amazing she is. And I can't wait to see what she does next.